It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Father Richard Roar. How dear this is to be with you again. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Roaring. Hello. Hello to you. Good to be with you again. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Thank thank you. you for being here. Since we last met, I heard that cancer's return. Yeah. But you know, I'm feeling okay. Yeah. And I'm 76, you know. I mean, I'm winding down. The tent is folding up, but I'm in no pain. Yes. So I shouldn't feel bad or sorry for myself. No. Uh, do you at all? No. no. Did you I've for had at such least? a wonderful life, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you had a heart attack, too, since we last met. Yes, saw. heart attack. <laughs> yeah. But I'm okay. Thank you that you'd even know those yes. things. Yes. And you. what did those health crises teach you? I mean, this is a cliche, but just how vulnerable we all are. You know, we're all hanging by a string yes. in one sense or another. Yeah. But mostly gratitude, not fear. I'm not afraid of death, but just what did I ever do to deserve these 76 years? You know? mm. So it's mostly been gratitude. And then do you think about how to actually to become more emboldened in whatever remains? Yes, I yeah. think, I hope that's what you heard in my new book. Yes. It's like, if I don't go for broke now, yes. when will I do it? You know, yeah. I got nothing to lose, nothing to gain. It's just, I got to say what my life has taught me. Well, I love that you have written this for such a time as this. First of all, let's begin with the first yes. chapter. Christ is not Jesus's last name. And that's a surprise to most Christians because <laughs> we've all used it, Jesus Christ. Yes. But that isn't how it started. You know, we had Jesus. We had a much longer tradition of the anointed one, which took the form of the Messiah in Judaism. And it took a while for Christians to put those two together. So it's really only the first sermon after Pentecost when Peter says, Jesus has become the Christ. It's a different way of thinking. Yes, a different way of thinking, which is you are inviting us into a different way of thinking with the universal Christ, how a forgotten reality can change everything we see, hope for, and believe. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success 
when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. What would Jesus, the Christ, think of what has been made of his name if he were to come today, do you think? You know, I'm, I want to be kind to history, to people. I just don't think humanity was ready for this big a vision. We kept whittling Jesus into our own national needs, our own cultural needs. Political needs. Political needs. We made him into a tribal God that would serve the purposes of Whatever France, your agenda was. Germany, yes. the southern United States, and uh, it kept Jesus very small. Yes. And what you're saying in the universal Christ is Jesus is as unimaginably huge as the mind can conceive and beyond. I'm told, just to give physiological basis for what you just said, that the human mind cannot imagine the notion of infinity or eternity. Yeah, we can't. We can't. It's not a concept we That's even know. Right. That's and right. even, I, even, even in meditation sometimes, prayer and, and meditation, which I do a lot, I can kind of get there. I can kind of get there. That's I can, all I do. That's get, right. Yeah, I can kind of get there, but you just can't even imagine it. No, you can't. Because uh, our brains weren't made to do that. The giveaway that you've gotten, as far as you just said, is a kind of humility about God that you yeah. know you don't know. That, you, that's right. <laughs> and that's what's so discouraging for me to answer your earlier question. What would Jesus do? That it created so many arrogant, self-assured, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, Christians aren't known for being humble. <laughs> They're absolutely certain. They've got the whole truth. Right. They know who's gone to heaven, who's gone to hell. And they like it that it's way. It's our way or no way. Yeah. You know, I mean, people have thrown to me, it's, if you don't actually believe that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and that it's that one person. There you go. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's that one person. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus represents a whole body of religion, not just yeah. one way. The way I'd say it, building on what you just said, is that's Christ speaking in John's gospel. And so the Christ can walk around making these universal statements that sound rather arrogant yes. in the mouth of Jesus. But if it's the Christ speaking, 
Well, you know, it's true. There's no, the way the truth then there's their life. nothing to fight about the coherence of matter and spirit that we call the incarnation and that this is all the outflowing of God. What else could it be? Yes. That's not arrogant. This is the way yeah. through the material world to come to the spiritual world. Yes. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> There's no reason to exclude anybody, to condemn anybody. There's no room for it. So when you hear, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that means I think a lot of Christians say, well, that excludes Muslims. Or oh, that I excludes, think they do think that. Yeah, or that excludes Jews, or that excludes the Buddhists, that excludes... And when you hear that, you hear what? I hear, and I know I've been gifted with a theological education, so I, I recognize why most people don't get to that point. But I hear the universal Christ, the anointed reality. You know where this starts? I think I say it in the book, in that story in Genesis of Jacob, yeah. where Jacob goes to sleep on a rock, the most rudimentary form of materiality, a rock. And remember, there's the ladder moving between heaven and earth, yes. the angels going up and down. And he wakes up and says, Eureka, <laughs> you were here all the time and I never knew it. And then he anoints the rock. Now, in normal Jewish thinking, that would be paganism to say God is in a rock. That's the beginning of the Christ tradition. Anointing became an image for recognizing the spiritual presence in material things. Hmm? It's no accident that John 1.14 says, the word, which I call the blueprint, the blueprint of all reality became flesh. Now flesh is a generic term. He doesn't say, we put that in there, the Word became Jesus. Now, I believe that, of course, too. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the personification in human form so we could fall in love with it, you know, of what is true everywhere all the time, that matter and spirit are operating as one. Now, see, that's no competitive religion. That, no, that's an inclusive, all-inclusive religion. All-inclusive religion. That's not the Jesus most people know. No, it isn't what I was given either, so no. we're all... We're all victims of this. I just think the first 2,000 years of Christianity weren't ready for the momentous nature of what we say we believe. Unbelievable when you think of it. But again, I want to be compassionate. I just don't think humanity's mind was big enough, heart was big enough to accept anything beyond a tribal God, a God we could pull in to justify France or Italy or Mississippi, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, do you think, I love Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi especially, which was an apartheid state when I was born there yes, in 1954. So do you think that the minds of the people are ready for this vision of a universal Christ now when we are becoming more siloed, more fragmented, more isolated in our thinking, more tribal, tribal meaning my tribe against your tribe and my tribe is better because we know and you don't you think we're ready as it's getting this bad and you know what i'm referring to yes <laughs> politically culturally uh, there's i don't know if we're going to bottom out or what but we've got along for something that implies our radical unity and not our diversity and right now we are so reveling in diversity it feels like Humpty Dumpty in a thousand pieces, and how are we going to put it back together? But I have to believe 
maybe this is my Christian hope, but just that this is going to lead us to long for love, to long for unity. Sister Joan was just recently here, and she said, you know, we are all longing for the genuine. That's the genuine. We, we're longing for the genuine, that which is true and that resonates with us, because we're living in this fragmented, Instagrammed, viral reality, you know? You know, it was a black mystic, Howard Thurman, I'm sure you... I love Howard Thurman. He, he first coined that phrase, the sound of the genuine. Ah. And you just said it. Well, Joan apparently yeah. said it. You know, your heart of hearts knows the genuine. And you know when things are not genuine. And we have become... Being non-genuine has become so normalized in our country that I worry that our kids won't even know what the sound of the genuine is like. Mm -hmm. If you've never heard it. It's so interesting that you refer to Howard Thurman oh, as, a, as, a, as a mystic. Oh, yes. Because so many people say that you are a modern-day mystic. No. Can you see it in yourself? You know, all I can do is define a mystic. That a mystic is someone who sees in holes rather than parts. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, it, they always end up emphasizing love as the center and the goal and the energy. Now, yeah, that's where I am now. <laughs> if that puts me in that club, I'm happy to be there. Yeah, that's you know? a good place yeah. to be. It is, yes. yeah. But it's not a, a title of superiority or anything. It just, you can't... It means can't, you see things differently. You see things in holes, not in parts. Yes. I and think you, that's a great way to describe it. You see right through lies. You just, yeah. you can't yeah. tolerate them after a while. You yeah, know? yeah. I think I say in the book... Yes. I stopped watching the yeah, news. I was just going to oh, get to that. <laughs> I was going to say, is that why you stopped watching the news? Because you just can't tolerate it anymore. It feels like drinking poison. Yeah, I would just have to say so too. posturing and posing and pretending. And anybody who's felt the sound of the genuine, which is the sound of God, you see right through it. Yeah. I will have to say that I only watch the news to see my friend Gail in the oh. morning. Mm -hmm. and see what she's wearing and how many necklaces she has on today <laughs> and what color are her glasses. But, and, and so I do that in support of her, but I can tell you that oh, yeah. for the very same reason that you talk about in the universal Christ, you say it, it's a poison, but I get agitated and oh, yeah. something inside me knows that taking that in is not good for me. It's not good for me, yeah. yeah. And I see the posturing on both sides it That's doesn't right. matter if you're That's watching, right. you know, a liberal <laughs> station or right-wing station. It's That's all right. the same. It's the same thing. See, that's you're a little mystic yourself. Once you can see that and you don't buy into this dualistic, one side's totally right and the right. other side. Right. Mystics are always non-dual seers. Right. They see the truth in a great big picture and they say, well, you've got part of it and you've got part of it. But the fact that you can't love one another means you don't have it. <laughs> the, Correct. The big message. The yeah. big message. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. 
PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Bono said this about the universal Christ. Roar sees the Christ everywhere, and not just in people. He reminds us that the first incarnation of God is in creation itself. That's right. I love that. And he tells us that God loves things by becoming them. Just for that sentence, and there are so many more, I cannot put this book down. (laughs) God loves things by becoming us. And I think that so many people forget, and when I even in my own prayer and meditation remind myself that I am God's expression of what it means to be someone named Oprah Winfrey Mm -hmm. on the planet Earth at this time. It's such an extraordinary thought and realization. We were taught it was arrogant to think that way. Yes, I was. It's it's not. It's the whole point to give dignity back to everything and everybody. If religion isn't giving your dignity back to you, it's junk religion. I I have a chapter in there on original goodness. Yes, yes, yes. I was trained as a Catholic in a doctrine of original sin, a phrase that is not in the Bible, you know. Mm -hmm. In fact, you go to the first chapter of Genesis, how the whole Bible starts, it says five times in a row, it was good, it was was good, good. it was was good, good. it was good, it was good, it was very good. And then we come along for some perverse reason, and we prefer to start with Genesis 3, the the problem, Yes. original sin. I loved the trailer even for the book, where you have all of these many voices talking about where they see the Christ and how it shows up. And what was interesting to me, I always, because I live here and I'm surrounded by trees, and I can always see God in the trees and I can always experience God in nature. But it was interesting to me that God's also in the washing machines and That's also right. in the skyscrapers. And even also, the man-made things. And God even in the man, man-made things. loves human creations. Why wouldn't God? Yeah. So let's talk about that moment that uh, Bono, you're one of the few Franciscan friars who has a real-life rock star as a fan, I would think. <laughs> I that moment in the book where you talk about God loves things by becoming them. I'm so glad that struck you. Yeah, he even called me. He said, Richard, you've got to name the book God Loves Things by Becoming Them. And uh, since I've written it, I realize, my, that line inspires yes, a, lot of a lot people. Of people. A lot of people. See, let's put it just in different language. If we have the three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, we should have been the first ones in line to understand if God created all things, yes. there's one God who created all things, yes. then everything has to carry the divine DNA. And that God carries forth the God self into those beautiful blades of grass. Huh? What else are they except they're all children of God? Now, I know to people who haven't thought that way before, and let me make this distinction for the doubters, they will think it's pantheism. I don't know if you've heard that word before. It means God and all things are equal. 
We're not pantheists. Authentic Christianity is panentheism, God in all things, mm-hmm. not God is all things. Yes, very see, different. It, it's very different, and it's subtle. But I think all the whole Orthodox tradition would insist, I'm not saying this grass is God, but that God is revealed through this, especially if and when I love it, I respect it, I look at it, I see it. You know, the most ancient, Genesis 1, the first thing that God does is create light, let there be light. And light isn't something that you actually see, it's that by which you see everything else, mm-hmm. you see. So the That's Christ, why it had to be first, yes. Very good. Yes. And so the Christ light allows me to see the beauty, the gratuity, the non-necessity. Why? Why is there anything yeah. instead of nothing? Yeah. And then you I have that moment. I think that's such a great, great, great distinction to make because people get confused. Yeah, you're it saying is. God is everything. God is. We're not saying the tree is God. No, or we're not. The grass is we're God not. or the sky is God. No, we're not. That's you're right. saying God is infused above, around, in, and throughout everything. Perfect. God is revealing the God self through every single creature. It's the way you see that we're all in divine relationship and we're at home in this universe. We would have never polluted this planet if we would have understood the incarnation. Absolutely. So you want readers to look beyond what you call popular and limited notions of Jesus. I found this so interesting. You say there are two different realities. Jesus is the historical figure, Christ is the cosmic figure, which we've been talking about it. I know people may start to tense up when they hear someone trying to redefine Jesus for them, you know. So please explain what you mean by the two different realities. Well, first of all, I want to say they're complementary. They don't compete with one another. I think a religion to be not just personally transforming, right. but culturally, historically transforming, needs to be operative on two levels. It needs to warm the human heart, to be drawn into devotion to this God center, to this love center. But then it needs to have a cosmic narrative to it that's bigger, so it can't be made into a cultural God, a white man's God. A, right a Catholic God, a Methodist God, uh, that's all too small. So uh, uh, I I hope and I trust that if someone reads this book, they're not going to love Jesus less. They're going to love Jesus more. Because they're going to have a more opened understanding. I hope so. I hope so, too. That's my desire. You even say that we should stop using the names Jesus Christ and God like we have the last 50 years. And I know that a lot of Christians are listening and saying, how dare you? He's a heretic. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's a heretic. You know, I learned that from a Jesuit. In fact, he's one of the frontispieces of the book, Karl Rahner, who said in German, we should stop using the word God for 50 years because that's the only way we're going to admit to ourselves that we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. To have some humility around God. Should we stop using it or change or do as you're asking us to do? That's what he really yeah. means. Change yeah. the way we change the way. We, we perceive what God is. Because the way we're using the word God now is so culturally bound, Yes. so historically limited. You know, when I first showed the tape, I was sitting at a table with a number of my daughter girls from South Africa, and I played them 
the video, the trailer, and just spontaneously they started to cry. And one of them said, wow. I could get to know a Jesus like that. Oh, that's my hope. Yeah, I could get to know a Jesus like that. But nothing I've ever heard about Jesus has ever, I know. been that inclusive. You also talk about, because the subtitle is how a forgotten reality can change everything we see, hope for, and believe. What is the forgotten reality? The notion of a universal Christ, that, that, that there's a mystery that's true everywhere. You know, if it's true, it's got to be true everywhere. Mm -hmm. There can't be American truth and Methodist truth and Russian truth. Truth is truth, you see. And Christ is simply the metaphor. I'm not denying the reality of Christ. That's why we use the word yes. reality. But is a very metaphor for everything. Now, I was struck by this term, kindergarten Christianity. I really like that term, <laughs> that you used in an interview regarding our false beliefs that God loves one group over another. Kindergarten Christians. That's the only thing to call it, you know? And I'm, you and I are not, when we say that, we're not trying to put down any individual. No. But we're simply saying, in the evolution of human consciousness, we were infantile and we pulled God down to our level, you know? a fighting God, an angry God, a jealous God. Yeah. And I know that the Bible can, in an immature reading, lead you to think that Yes, way. I was actually, ha I think I shared this with you before, I was sitting in a church service listening to a really fine minister talk about, preach about God being angry and jealous, and in the same breath saying, Om omnipotent, all caring, all loving, and I was like they 22, yeah. saying, how, how is that possible, God? I asked that question in service to myself, that you're both angry and jealous and also omnipotent, loving, yeah. all loving, caring. And there was a part of me that's like, oh, you're going to get struck in the eye for that, <laughs> you know, just to ask yeah. the question. Because that's the way I was raised to believe. I was that, too. Yes. I was too. We, uh, you know, one of the good things the Franciscans did for us is they made us take philosophy for four years before we could study the Bible. Now, I know there's danger in that to get too heady, mm -hmm. but basically what it did, it taught us how to think. And what you just illustrated is thinking. You know? Yes. And why do Christians turn off their brain? Jesus did say to love the Lord your God with your whole mind, along with your heart and your soul so, and your body. Yes. But why do we turn off the mind? I mean, that we can get into things like denial of climate change, and the Christians can agree with that. How can this happen, <laughs> that we've created such a regressive, non-holistic worldview in the name of the great... You know, John 4 calls Jesus the Savior of the world. Well, he's not going to be the Savior of the world if he just likes little parts and little races and little classes. That's kindergarten Christianity, that we just got the beginnings of the message. I really think, Oprah, that future generations will call what we've done in the first 2,000 years baby Christianity. It's just, we're just beginning to get the cosmic, universal notion of what Jesus came to bring us. I want to read this passage that you write on page 70. You say there's not a native, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Jewish, Islamic, or Christian way of loving. There is not a Methodist, a Lutheran, or Orthodox way of running a soup kitchen. There's not a gay 
or straight way of being faithful, nor a black or Caucasian way of hoping. Thank we you. all know positive flow when we see it, and we all know resistance and coldness when we feel it. We do. All the rest are mere labels. That, to me, is just the essence well, of this book. Thank you, yes. Oprah. Thank you for reading that. Uh, once you hear it, it, it's so obvious. You know? But the ego is afraid of not being special and not being superior. It's afraid of not being in control. I was a child of the 60s, you know, I still had long hair. And, and I thought, hallelujah, the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, the war against poverty. And we need them all just as much 50 years later. Absolutely. That's what's so scary about it for me. It feels like, and I'm sure this comes with older age or just being able to sit back and look at life, that you can see that people can't see. These are like little human see suits. See that people can't see. Little spiritual beings wearing these human costumes and missing the whole point and destroying I know, I know, each other and destroying our planet. That's what's scary. If I have to pray every day, God, don't let me get cynical. Now, people often ask me, how long should you pray each day? And here's my answer these days. You need to pray as long as it takes to get to yes. A, a foundational yes to reality, to the moment, to God present in the grass, to God present in me and present in you. I think it's a foundational, another way I describe it is you need to pray yourself into a connection to that which is greater than yourself, Perfect. which is what, what I do. That's all I'm saying. Because I think a lot of people will mishear that meaning you have to pray until God says yes. Because oh. many times God's answer is no. Yes. Yes. It's your yes, yes you have to wait for. Yeah. You say that we need to increase our authentic spirituality. What is that? Well, here's what I've seen. I'm 49 years a priest now this year. You know, I've given a lot of retreats in many different countries. And what you see happens in an authentic spiritual journey is people's bandwidth of freedom increases. I'm, I'm free to see God where I didn't want to see God, like in the enemy, in the other, in the not me. Love is only possible inside of freedom. And it, it saddens me that so much of our preaching took freedom away from people instead of giving it to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, th that they were free to, I don't mean political freedom, I mean, the freedom of Anne Frank, who can be in a, you know, a death camp and right. still look out at the patch of blue and be happy. That's freedom. Yes, yes. I'm not there. I'm sure I'm not. But I've met enough people who are. Well, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Oh, my goodness. And I just recently met a Dr. Edith Eager, who was in a death camp and is 91 years old and still practicing therapy in La Jolla. And she said she lived by the freedom of her imagination. Freedom, of her, that's good, that's yes, good. Yes, yes. Yeah, without freedom, and again, don't hear that in the cheap American version of political freedom. I mean, basically freedom from your own self, yes. your own ego, your own power needs. Until you're free from your own self, you're not free. Right. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. I love the analogy you give for love on page 71. 
love flows unstoppably downward. Like water. I had never thought of it that way before. You're right. <laughs> love flows unstoppably downward around every obstacle like water. Oh. Love and water seek not the higher place, but always, always the lower. The lowest I possible. I never thought oh, of it that way Oh, you make me before. happy, yeah. Yes. And isn't it interesting that our ritual of initiation was baptism, a dunking in yes, water. Yes, yes. Water, and of course, there is no life without water. Yes. Nothing can live without yeah. water. It's after light, I would say water is the next most universal spiritual symbol of how reality works. And water always seeks the lowest place. Thank you for hearing that. Yeah. Yes, I heard it and I felt it. I never <laughs> wow. felt that before. Thank you, thank you. So the reason you wrote this at this time, did you feel a sense of urgency that this may be your last book and you needed well, to get that, this done? Yeah. I assume this is my end of life book, you know, that if I don't say it here, I'm never gonna say it. So uh, thank you for trusting it. You know? Yes. Do you fear for our times? I do. You fear for us. And I'm, I'm, by nature, I'm not a pessimistic person. Yeah. But there seems to be, and Sister John and I were talking about this, the, um, the moral center. We've lost the, the moral. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've lost our way north. Oh yeah. Yeah. There is. There's, there is no center now. It's just let reality be the words that I applied to it. It's a radical egocentricity that's overtaking us and a radical disconnectedness. Now, I've got to believe, and you read the chapter on resurrection, I hope. Yes. That resurrection is saying that will be the final chapter of history. If Jesus Christ is the map for the whole journey, then that's the final chapter of human yes. history. I've got to believe that or I would be a total cynic. Yes. I really would. Yes, yeah. yeah, yes. But that educated people can enjoy, apparently, being lied to. A person with dignity doesn't like being lied to, you know? And that much of this country... That educated people who are being lied to yeah. can look the other way and pretend they Just, don't hear the lies. And then call themselves lovers of the way, the truth, and the life. You don't love the truth. Uh, you know, reality is the greatest ally of God. Just think about that for a minute. Reality itself. And when you, when you face reality, which is what Jesus was doing utterly on the cross, even reality in its most horrible forms, you're always going to meet God. Let's talk about the dedication to the book. Mm. You said, I dedicate this book to my beloved 15-year-old Black Lab Venus, whom I had to release to God while beginning to write this book without any apology, lightweight theology, or fear of heresy, I can appropriately say that Venus was also Christ for me. Thank you for reading that. Of the fan letters I've now gotten in the six weeks since this book has been out, I bet 50% of them refer to that dedication. Mm -hmm. And I know you're a dog lover too. Yes. But I deliberately wanted to shock people into the Christ message. See, whatever pulls the flow of love through you and out of you toward otherness, that's Christ for you at that moment. That's operating as Christ for you. And I deliberately wanted to use an animal because I know that's not the way, certainly evangelical Christians, no offense, but they think only human beings are beloved of God. Huh? Mm -hmm. 
and that they were put here to be over the beasts of the earth. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. I want to point out the covenant in Genesis that Yahweh makes with Noah. It says four times, and I make this covenant with all of creation, all of creation, all of creation. It doesn't just say with human beings. Salvation is a historical, social phenomenon. God is saving history, is my belief. Yes. God doesn't lose. And these very churches that talk about our God is victorious, our God reigns, are the very churches who say, well, he's victorious with my group. (laughs) (laughs) Not your group, you know. (laughs) So you've whittled God down to a caricature of, of any fitting definition of God. Because again, let's get back to where we started, that we can't think of infinity. And I asked a class recently, what would half of infinity be? And they stopped, they said, infinity. (laughs) What would a fourth of infinity be? Infinity. And that's, we can't imagine that though. Infinite love, infinite grace, infinite forgiveness, I don't know how God's going to work that out. And I do know there's, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. But I've got to believe that what it means to be God is to be victorious and to win, even against horrible obstacles, which is what the cross was supposed to say. But we didn't get that message either, I don't think. I'm preaching now. Forgive me. No, I love you preaching. <laughs> I love you preaching. And I wanted to just end by saying... If you had one message, Preacher Roar, (laughs) that you want people to gather from the universal Christ, it is? That the dignity in people and things is inherent and objective and given from the beginning. It's not created by moral behavior. It's universally shared. Like the quote I begin the book with, Ephesians 1. You were chosen in Christ from the beginning before the world began. So if the notion of the universal Christ helps us to recognize the inherent objective dignity, image of God is our term, Genesis 1, 26, 27, in everything that the divine DNA is universal, you're at home now. This, there's nothing to be afraid of. Right. You're home free. You'll never be lonely again, as I think I try to say in the book. You do say it. Mm. Thank you for the gift of this. You make me very happy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. The Universal Christ. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.